and her new podcast, Welcome to Your Fantasy, Chippendales Revealed. Uh, was it revealed? It was supposed to be revealed. Girl, why did you send me right? up for a fail? It was revealed, right? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Dragnabbit, a new podcast about all things drag, including, but not limited to, RuPaul's Drag Race, Canada's Drag Race, or notable drag queens like Lady Bunny, Michelle Visage, or Kellyanne Conway. And on today's episode, we've been extradited to our neighbor to the north and talking Canada's drag race. Joining us today is an extra special guest. She's a podcast legend, spearheading such shows such as Another Round, See Something, Say Something, Thirst Aid Kit, and her new podcast, Welcome to Your Fantasy, Chippendales Revealed, an American story of greed, sex, murder, and oiled-up dancers. Everyone, please welcome, from the pineapple street under the sea, Eleanor Kagan. <laughs> Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Hello, Eleanor. Hi, Syzygy. Hi, Portia. Hey. Oh my god, Eleanor. I am so excited you're here. We have known each other for three years, which in gay years is like a decade. It's a uh, hundred years. <laughs> we we did a little RuPaul's Drag Race podcast way back when together. And now look at us. We've graduated from many views to like 10 views. <laughs> and unlike actual RuPaul's Drag Race, our microphones are plugged in oh. to be recorded. <gasps> Damn. <gasps> Shots fired. <laughs> Eleanor, what I will say is that with the exception of Dennis, you you are the person that I would make my one phone call to <gasps> if Syzygy was ever arrested. Oh, my God. I'm honored. Does that mean I, I'm right? your responsible I, friend? <laughs> you're, yeah, you're the responsible friend. And most likely she will get arrested in the future. But I want to get right down into it. So from working the corner to working the courtroom she's Portia control and from a celebrated investigative journalist to a notable nobody she's syzygy and this is drag nabbit Last week, we said goodbye to Kiara, and we have just one French doll who's left in the house, Miss Rita Baga. The contestants discuss the elimination, and Priyanka draws clear lines around who she feels is competition in this drag race. She said herself, obviously, Rita, Jimbo, and Lemon, and she definitely called out who wasn't, which was Alona, Boa, and Bobo. So, Eleanor, I want to know, what did you think of that hot take, and how are you feeling about the season in general so far? So Syzygy knows this. Um, I always have a hard time judging the queens in the show because oftentimes when I watch this, I am in a bad mood and then I watch the show and it puts me in an incredibly happy mood. And so I feel like I'm, I'm like your friend who's like just psyched to be here. So I feel just generally happy that the show is on. I feel like I am just like taking whatever they give me because I know there's like a finite amount of drag race in the can that we're going to get. So I'm just mm. like trying to savor every episode. Um, and so I, I find myself pleasantly surprised by Canada's drag race. I think it's a really good crop of Queens. I think that they're 
Um, they show a range and they're funny mm-hmm. and there's like the right amount of drama. I don't know. I, I'm like pleasantly surprised by this. I thought it would be weird to have RuPaul not there, but mm. it's fine. It's good. Well, this week's mini challenge saw the dolls put on their best telephone psychic drag and take a call from a special guest and a former contestant of RuPaul's Drag Race UK, Crystal. So, Portia, I know that you're a notable Crystal stan for whorish reasons. Um, what did you think about it? Um, I think Crystal looked amazing. I didn't find her particularly funny, but I don't think she was meant to be. Um, it was really just more about putting the girls through their ridiculous pieces. And um, it felt fun. And it was good to have her there and a callback and sort of tying in the different seasons and the different versions of the program. So I thought I thought it was fun. I just felt it was a, a weird challenge. But I want to hear from you all, like, were, th- were there any standouts or anything that, like, was exciting Ooh. about that mini challenge. I was happy to see the hairy armpit legend herself because right. <laughs> I too am a hairy armpit legend yes. and I feel myself seen and represented in this show by Crystal. Love her. Yeah. Um, the only person, honestly, who's really memorable from the challenge is Boa. Like she really gets the mileage out of her oh. boob pieces. And I, lo- I <laughs> she- laugh every time they come out. She gave us four boobs for the price of none i guess i don't know she she did a lot and i give her i give her a lot of of give her a lot of kudos for the commitment right and then it's really interesting because you know she goes all at it in these mini challenges and then we'll talk later about the maxi challenge but then it seems like in the maxi challenge for some reason in that environment she becomes her own undoing so Mm. you know the the dolls put on varying levels of credibility when it came to psychic drag and they had a very interesting challenge after that was over lemon ends up being declared the challenge winner i guess that's as good of a winner as anybody else it sounds like or it looks <laughs> like it. it looked like it was fine i mean she was kind of a bitchy weird psychic okay great um it felt a little one note but that's that's fine that's my my thought my hot take um and as the winner of the mini challenge, she gets the power to set up the teams for the maxi challenge. The maxi challenge on this episode is creating a late night infomercial for a fake legal hotline. And I actually thought this was really fun and an interesting take on some of the different acting challenges that they've done throughout uh, the history of RuPaul's Drag Race. So I really enjoyed mm-hmm. that and it felt very timely and fun. We go to the workroom and the girls break into their mm. teams. And it seems to me, based on the conversations that they're showing them have, that they have different dynamics when it comes to working creatively. Team sissies, you know, they they seem to be good friends, right? They, they all seem to be really good Judies. But did any mm. of you get different reads from some of those dynamics? Yeah, it was, it was actually team sissies. Like, I understand that deep down inside Scarlet Bobo might not think of Ilona as a top competitor. And yeah, they had that moment in an early challenge, but now she's thinking like, okay, well I'm clearly at a different level and she's acting on that. Like she's disagreeing with Ilona. She's talking back at her. She's getting frustrated. She's like throwing the paper at her to, to, to do all the writing. And it's like, I understand that you might be frustrated, but you have to think like put all of that aside and you have to do your best and don't you have to be a very yes and girl. And Mm. it's kind of 
It's kind of sad. Yeah, I thought that it it really seemed like Lemon was trying to pair people who she thought would get along well and who liked each other. And when she put Team Sissy together, she was like, oh, they're really good friends. They'll be Mm -hmm. delighted to be together. And then when they got together, Bobo was like, what? Like, what was Lemon trying to pull putting me with her? Mm. Which just felt like a weird read on the situation. And I, I wonder if you get a sense that Bobo... Yeah, You get the sense that Bobo is worried about getting locked into some click sort of situation and that she's really, I don't know, that she's worried that that might be holding her back as a performer because she hasn't won any challenges yet. But that's the thing with like her, if she's going to get stuck into a click, I understand that Alona hasn't won a challenge, but Alona visually for me is one of the stronger queens. Oh yeah. Like some of Alona's looks like that, that um, poodle look. The poodle look. Top, like top of Canada's Drag Race. So it's, it's kind of like unfortunate that Scarlett doesn't see her as a worthy partner or someone worthy to be in a click with. Totally. I mean, I wonder how much of the stuff that we don't see um, might play into some of those, Mm. some of those types of assessments that the girls have of each other. And I say this only because at the beginning of the episode, we see unaired footage, right? Footage that didn't make the cut last episode, but miraculously is in the cut for this episode um, around Boa with her warning about, you know, getting out of her head Mm. and doing better for the challenge. And I wonder if there's maybe a lot of stuff that we haven't seen there. They also... They have mentioned on multiple times on the program, uh, Alona being a bit of a whiner and a complainer. Um, Uh And I've seen a little bit of that, but I wouldn't say it's more than I have seen other contestants on the show before. So, again, I wonder how much of that is left on the cutting room floor and the power of the edit. We all know how that goes around these parts. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, mm-hmm. that's it's funny you bring that up about like the cutting room floor and the edit, because when they went back to that flashback of Boa, you saw her standing at the edge of the uh, towards the back of the stage. And then they're like, Boa, we need to talk to you. And then all of a sudden she's f- stage front. And then all of a sudden, then she's in the back of the stage again. And it's like from an editing perspective, that was clearly an editing mistake. Mm. And they should have just left it as a little bit more raw footage. It's kind of weird that they like it was just a weird editing thing for me. Mm. It was funny. Sizzigy rolling over that tape like it's the Zapruder film, everybody. (laughs) Girl, girl. uh, That's why um, during Watergate, they called me the deep throat. The the deepest. You were the deepest throat. That was the problem. That really was the problem. Speaking of problems, uh, you know, after the girls are assigned and start to develop their concepts, uh, Jeffrey Boyer Chapman walks in. And I have to say, I really enjoy looking at Jeffrey Boyer Chapman and therein ends the complimentary portion of this program when it comes to Jeffrey Boyer Chapman uh time and again on this program specifically he has just shown that he is adding very little value in terms of actual critique helping these girls drag knowledge I uh, it sucks because I want to like him but I don't well he does add body shaming Oh, we and I do love a casual and business casual body shame. So that's okay. But other than that, I didn't get much out of that. Uh, And then the girls get to actually recording their video. And Stacy is there and God bless Stacy. I think out of out of the panel, get rid of all of them. Keep (laughs) Stacy. Bring back Mary Walsh. She can always be the extra special guest Mm -hmm. host. Yes, Uh, And then find other people who are just better at this. I'm so sorry. And I'm not sorry, actually. Actually, bring Crystal. Crystal would probably be better than Brooklyn Heights. 
I would take Crystal, Stacy, Mary Walsh, and Tom Green just making a loon sound. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Tom, Tom Green needs to be like like the Tim Gunn, where he just uh, walks around. Doesn't know really what drag is, but just walks around. Shows pictures, calls his mom. In his wind costume, making a loon sound. That is how I want Tom Green. Uh, the wind costume. I know I'm jumping epic, ahead. Epic, epic moment in drag race history. In general, I felt like the girls were doing okay, although it definitely showed like team bells felt like they were all over the place mm-hmm. and that was a little bit about what stacy sort of opined afterwards and that uh you know on the run sort of footage that they got of her uh what did you all think of the challenge in and of itself and even the parts that we saw presented to us during the recording i mean i am constantly fascinated and syzygy knows this i'm constantly fascinated by the mechanics that go into making this show mm. and i'm always trying to like find out how did they produce this? How much time did they have for this challenge? Like who said what, when? And so I really liked that we actually got to see more of the behind the scenes production process. Like it felt wild to me that Stacy would say, you have 30 minutes left. You have 18 minutes left. We actually got to see the shot list. We got to see the stick figure storyboards. Mm. I felt like I was getting more of a glimpse into like what it actually is like to participate in one of these challenges than we ever have on American yeah. Drag Race. Plus Stacy is such a like wonderful presence on the show. Agreed. She seems to genuinely just be so thrilled to be there. And her advice is great. She is th- one of the best mentors in Drag Race history, period. Yeah, agree. Oh, yeah, especially of like permanent judges. 1000%. For me, the standout was Lemon. Yes. Period. Yeah, like, I agree. The... The beautiful like pantomime that she was able to do in acting with her whole body and her hands and like that little like drop split into like a controlled lift yeah, that off was, the ground. That was, that was wild. Oh. She was showing you that Alvin Ailey, honey. Girl, <laughs> I I love that. And I also felt the other standout for me was Scarlet Bobo. I thought she did great in her, the challenge too. Yeah, I specifically noted that Bobo's hand acting was excellent and you know this whole season i've been trying to figure out who lemon reminds me of and this brought it home for me um go on kate mckinnon lemon is kate, kate mckinnon, McKinnon. <laughs> oh i could see that a little bit yeah in that i have a crush on her <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think Alona was very strong later when we get to the portion around the critiques. I do yeah. agree that it felt very, she had one thing and then just kind of relied on that one thing over and over and over. Um, I just think their whole concept felt a little off. Um, and if I'm being really honest, I think the concept, and we'll talk more about this, but I think the concept of even the bells in this whole like bachelorette party situation. Yeah. I thought that was, it didn't quite make sense. Like I, I wanted a advertisement that was around a very specific kind of law firm. And that felt more like call a superhero than more than like a law firm. But maybe, mm. maybe that was just mm. my take on it. I really feel for Boa because Boa is very funny and very outrageous. But anytime she gets in front of a camera where there's lines or there's like a particular script or action she has to deliver, she completely falls apart. And I I wonder if she has like a little bit of like the Alyssa Edwards thing where she's so funny off the cuff, but when she has to be funny on purpose, it just completely falls apart. I mean, the same could be said for her snatch game. 
as a viewer, you really want to support her because she does come across well and she she is funny. But then the moment she gets on stage, womp. <laughs> Maybe it's that inner saboteur, honey. I want to take a quick break. And while we're gone, we're going to listen to Eleanor's new podcast. Welcome to your fantasy. Chippendales Revealed, debuting soon. Oh, so it's not revealed it? It's it not revealed. It should be revealed. It probably should be. There's still time. I was I'm like, okay, change what's it. this? Like, add a neologism to the lexicon <laughs> into it. But she's revealed it. Was really just a setup. Yeah. You're like, let's make Portia look bad. <laughs> Got it. That segue was beautiful, by the way. What are you hoping to see tonight? A lot of ass. <laughs> She's got all her dollars in her wallet. She can't wait. Are you ready to use those dollars? Oh, definitely. <laughs> this is late last summer in the parking lot outside a Chippendale show on Long Island. We're horny old ladies. <laughs> yes, Chippendales. Cuffs and collars, oiled, all but naked guys performing choreographed dance routines. It still exists today. But let's go back to the late 70s, to Los Angeles, where it all started. Okay, this is going to be a male strip contest for women. And this is groundbreaking. Screaming women. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It's a real ego boost. Chippendales promises to be a place where women are in charge, where role reversal is as simple as stuffing dollars in men's G-strings. Women have never had this before. We men never permitted them to have it before. And damn it, it's going to be the best. Disco's dying. Clubs across LA are shutting down by the day. But this idea, men stripping for women, is a gold mine. Four nights a week, women flock to Chippendales. It's an east side club where male strippers gyrate, boogie, and yes, they do strip. Everybody went to Chippendales. You have these women chanting, we want meat, we want meat. I mean, they're we like- want meat? Meat, yeah. We actually had an orgy room where they kept the costumes. You want to come to my limo and start some lines? It was fun, a lot of fun. A decade after its founding, Chippendales is an empire. World tours, calendars and malls all over America, regular appearances on daytime talk shows. Sex, 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 and more sex. Will you please welcome Pecs on Parade, the Chippendale dances. I got to fly in the Concorde. I got to go, I mean, party with Elton John. I got to do so many things. Did yeah. you feel objectified or were you just On like... the good nights I did, yeah. I started researching this story because I was interested in the phenomenon of Chippendales, this strange chapter in the history of sex in America. But I ended up in the middle of something much darker and more sordid. I thought, you know, hello. If you actually killed a man, you should pay for that. I mean, just a tad of cyanide is going to kill you. In order to live with myself, I had to, I had to just contact the FBI. Were you shocked that you were wrapped up with these people who, like, shoot at each other to solve problems? Of course I'm shocked. I mean, I'm a girl from the Midwest. Are you kidding? I'm shocked if somebody slaps somebody. By the mid-90s, the man who brought Chippendales to mainstream America would be murdered in his office. And the man who founded Chippendales would be found dead in a prison cell. But the show just went on. Chippendales survives everything. <laughs> like cockroaches. 
Okay, Eleanor, the project sounds amazing. I love go-go dancing, and I also love true crime and murder. So <laughs> <laughs> throw them both together. I, I, why not? Um, I'm, I'm curious, like, could you share with us what inspired you to take this on? Yeah, so um, I am working with a trio of really incredible historians, um, one of whom is the host, Natalia. And they came to us with the story and said, listen, like, remember Chippendales from the 80s? And I was like, I think that's a calendar. And I think there is an SNL skit, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. And they were like, yeah, but there is this crazy story behind it where, like, one founder murdered his business partner and there were arsons and it all takes, takes place in the backdrop where there's, like, tons of cocaine and orgies. And it's just this wild wow. story. And, like... Honestly, you had me at the very first sentence. Um, you had me at strippers. You had um, me at cocaine and orgies for sure. Also, and I was like, oh, I get to do this for work? Yes, please. Um, so I, it, there was really like, there was literally no choice but to but to do this show. And they also were like, here are 50 people we we can reach out to. And half of them had already have already said they'll talk to us. And I was like, great. So I've spent a lot of the past mm. year interviewing uh, former male strippers who are all now in their 60s. But did you go to the cocaine orgies? <laughs> You'll have to listen to find out. Ooh. <laughs> and if you're a patron, you get behind the scenes footage of said Ooh. cocaine orgies. <laughs> right. It's it's it's, it's um, Eleanor's OnlyFans. Correct. It's just. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Oh, my God. Well, speaking of fun behind the scenes videos, our girls going back to the challenge here, they finish up their videos and doing their recording. And while they were getting ready for the runway, they share some stories um, of actually some really difficult moments within their drag careers. One specifically around bachelorette parties coming into primarily gay male, but other queer spaces as well. Um, and some of the, the pitfalls and the calamities that are associated with that. Um, and then Boa shares a very deeply personal story mm. around a sexual and physical assault that she experienced uh, working within the gay nightlife community. There was a lot of stuff to unpack in there. Uh, but to start, Eleanor, I want to know from you, have you been part of a bachelorette party at a gay bar? Yes or no? No judgments. Yes. Yes, I have, actually. I went to one in Seattle, and I saw Mama Tits perform. Yes, and... I love Mama Tits. Listen, okay, so here's what happened. There was, if I'm remembering correctly, there was some situation happening down the street. Like, somebody had called in a bomb threat or oh, something shit. happened. We had to stop the show. Mama Tits. It was Tits... Robbie Turner. <laughs> no, it was Robbie Turner's Uber driver. Oh my god! Google that, kids at home, because we don't have time so to really get into you want it. Want a callback? That's worth it. <laughs> Go search for that Reddit T, children. Oh my so, god! So you're in the middle of you're the in, bomb threat. You're in the bomb threat. <laughs> Everyone's evacuated. This is a drag brunch, so middle of the day, Mama Tits stamps like stomps out of the bar in full drag down the street to talk to the cops to be like, "Listen, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna keep doing this show," and she. Whatever she did, uh, she like stomped back to the bar and then the show went on. And I was like, that is a mm. true professional. Um, she said, all cops are bad. Defund the police. <laughs> Thank you. Years ago. <laughs> yes, she FTP. did. Yes, she did. 
Mama Tits um, is amazing. So for those of you at home who've never heard of her, please look her up. I got to see her in Puerto Vallarta at the end of last year when I went to go because she does a, a little residency down there. Uh, and that bitch is fucking funny. And then I saw her out of drag at, sorry, we'll do a quick aside. I saw her out of drag <laughs> at the gay beach club at the pool. And while we were there, she was there. And also Cameron Michaels was there out of drag. And Whoa. she was fucking reading Cameron Michaels. Like they were tiking <laughs> and talking or whatever. And she said something effective. Well, girl, it's not like you won the program. And like everyone in the pool <laughs> erupted in laughter. Uh, so Mama oh Tits God. is amazing. Sorry, that was my aside. I love that aside. Um, so Slayer yeah. of dragons. <laughs> <laughs> and so in terms of bachelorette parties at gay bars, they really went into, like, I would say some great lengths into explaining why it's challenging. And it, it was interesting to me because um, as someone who's frequented a lot of gay bars in my queer experience, um but not necessarily been a drag performer at a bar where bachelorettes happen to be at. It's a very different kind of experience. I think when mm -hmm. I, when I think about, especially there was a lot of it when I lived in Chicago and there was a moment there in boys town where they decided they were going to do bachelorette party bands. And it wasn't necessarily around personal safety of the performers or the patrons. It was really more around um, a statement around marriage equality and mm. the fact that, you know, we can't get married. You all are here sort of flaunting your ability to mm. get married with us um, and also maybe doing some problematic things because you feel like you're in, quote unquote, a safe space. So you feel like it's OK to take up space and also to take advantage of some of the people. Mm. So maybe there was a little bit of personal safety, but I think a lot of it, too, just had to do with a little bit of a political message. Have, have either yeah. of you experienced any of that um, as you've been you know, going out in queer spaces? I think there's been a lot of really interesting think pieces that have been written about bachelorette parties within gay bars, um, both from both sides, uh, a pro and a con side. Um, part of me is always worried because whenever I've worked at a club or at a bar in drag, I have had more problematic experiences and problematic hands from gay males Same. than I have from bachelorettes like men's hands just feel very free to put wherever they yeah. would like to go on titties, when you're in on your, booty, on your poom poom right on your poom <laughs> so so I uh, part of me is worried that like yes I do agree that especially prior to marriage equality that was very problematic and I also do agree that heterosexuals they are guests within the space so they should have some decorum however at the same time i am worried that this narrative of bachelorette parties being a huge problem is rooted to a degree in misogyny mm. which mm. gay males they've been there before they, like they, they do love some misogyny <laughs> um but but yeah um Misogyny aside, and um, <laughs> easy, easy transition. Misogyny aside, right. let's they, just oh, so, misogyny, let's put it there. How do you feel about that, Eleanor? Uh, <laughs> oh, I got thoughts. Listen, oh, Eleanor, take, take it away, Gail. Well, I mean, I was just gonna say that, like, I felt really glad that they were talking about this on the show, particularly yeah. when you think about the explosion that drag and drag performers have had in 
culture, you know, like I live in New York City. There are a million drag and burlesque shows to go to. Um, and yep. as a frequenter of those shows, it's I really am grateful to the performers when they start the show like with the rules. They talk about consent. Mm. They talk about the right way to tip somebody. You know, you don't yep. take a dollar and shove it down somebody's bra, even if they're yeah. shaking their tits in your face. You do it in a respectful way that always puts the performer first. And mm -hmm. it really goes down to like reading cues and just like recognizing that you are a guest in their house. And so like yeah. that, I feel like that message cannot be emphasized enough. And the fact that I feel like this is the first time this specific thing is coming up on Drag Race and it just, you know, it's a great PSA. That's a really good point. And I love, I love that you're bringing up that like, even if, they are shaking their tits in your face. You don't have the right to stick your hand down their bra. It's like if you were going to a straight strip club, you would not you would get beat down by a security guard, you know? Right. Because clothing yes. or lack thereof does not equal consent, honey. Well, I I do want to talk about some non-consensual clothing. <laughs> I want to talk about <laughs> the runway, runway category. <laughs> Incredible Girl, transition. The, do you okay? Did you like the setup? Because so I did the setup into the volley and you spiked it. You did as a for, good Judy. Okay. I know that we're like destroying the tan, the uh, the setup, and <laughs> we did the, we the transition. But if you're listening to the podcast, you have to appreciate how good this <laughs> this could have been. This was going to be like Didn't we almost have it all from, from some <laughs> unproblematic clothing. Let's talk about the runway category: the Canadian tuxedo denim on denim look. So okay, Portia. Yes. What looks? stood out for you better or worse uh in terms of better uh i'm gonna let you stand over jimbo i did really like her look however i was really mm. really impressed with bobo i thought scarlet bobo came out looking yeah. gorgeous on this episode i really enjoyed the silhouette i love these sort of puffy leg of mutton sleeves mm. that she was serving um and i liked the touches of neon um she kind of gave me uh especially with the neon she gave me a little bit of sort of detoxy vibes Ooh, um yeah. and i say that in the most respectful and like complimentary way because i happen to love detox as a drag queen oh, yeah and i love her fashions uh so so, so i was i was happy with what Scarlett was serving up. I would say if I yeah. had one quibble, I just think it was the color of the jacket. I would have done it in a slightly different color. of. I know denim comes in literally every color now, but sure. I, I probably would have done it in something that was a little bit more reminiscent of what I would think of as like a classic denim color. Oh, a deeper wash? Yeah, either a deeper wash or like mm. a more indigo-y wash uh, mm. to really, really render that um, and, and really be, I know we don't want to be, too literal but you know you still want to understand what it is uh so i yeah. think that would be the one like my one quibble but i think overall i thought she looked beautiful and i really liked it mm. in terms of trash looks on the runway um lemon girl like she said that she had put it together from a whole bunch of reclaimed stuff and i mean i i support the green movement uh however <laughs> this is garbage mama it was literally i mean you can do reclaimed looks and have yeah. them be flattering. She clearly we made saw that it on with her own. Evie. Evie did the reclaimed denim look, and it looked incredible and it was on so her cool. season. That's true. But, but those were not it. Yeah, go for it. 
in 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 compliments of lemon the one thing that i thought she did really well was her choice of hair color i mean i know it's yeah. yellow and that is her usual hair but i have to say that i this wasn't my favorite runway and my brain keeps going back to something that was said in season 11 in that exact episode with Evie um denim doesn't really pop on the runway and oh yeah i i just think that denim doesn't have the like the ooh ah ah sensation that like other fabrics and colors do. And so Lemon at least, I liked that she paired a big bright color with the mm-hmm. with the denim because it made it feel like there was something else exciting going on. So anyone who was able even and like Jimbo, which I'm excited to talk about, like Jimbo's big red hair, I thought also just like brought so cool. a level of like excitement mm-hmm. to it that People with like more natural color hair just kind of faded into the background for me. Yeah, I agree. I, I, of course, I mean, we in this house, we stand Jimbo uh, mm-hmm. always. She can do no wrong. Uh, it is her special podcast. <laughs> um, uh, that Lee Bowery look from like head to ankle was incredible was really cool. for me. Incredible. The, f- the shoes. I would not have done a platform of that width just because it made her hobble a little bit. And I kind of wanted that like a little bit smaller shoes. So that way she was really able to pump that runway um, and be because it kind of silhouette wise. It gave me very detox all stars to latex look yes. where she had like the big ponytail and, and the, the black mask. forehead thing. Yeah, I wanted her to, to work that runway in that manner rather than like. Um, someone on still like Gumby on stilts, <laughs> still stand the look. Do you know who my okay? You you're all gonna hate me. Yeah. Do you know who my favorite this week was? Who was it? Boa? Was it Rita Baga? Alona, Alona Verley. I felt that the top was beautifully tailored. I would agree. It with was that. Mugler. Yes. It was very Katya All Stars Two with the pants challenge. Ooh. Very tailored, beautiful detailing up here at the top. And I thought that like the little reveal of like her going like assless chaps with a little thong. I felt her body looked great. I agree. I thought she looked beautiful. And when Jeffrey Boyer Chapman came sat for her. there mm. and body shame turns said you should have put some foundation on your butt excuse me well, what the fuck i mean his only critique ever seems to be that not having makeup or something covering a color completely takes him out of the fantasy so i'm sure i'm sure seeing a bare <sighs> ass took him out of the fantasy it's probably the only one he's gonna see for the rest of quarantine because <laughs> everyone on twitter is reading him to fill about his performance on canada's drag race it's insane i thought took a lot of guts for Alona to do that and I really think she pulled it off we know from from Drag Race history that chaps are a thing chaps are difficult to pull off on the runway and queens have ended up in the bottom for it multiple times and as far as a chaps look goes I thought Alona did a really nice job and it was like it was subdued for her but it was fashion Mm -hmm. and she has an amazing fashion sense in and out of drag Mm -hmm. and I was like really proud of her and I wanted to wear that outfit with my ass out. She, I, I found it very inspiring. Right? Yes. Ah. So we had a very interesting runway. And then from there, uh, we got to see the videos, the final product of the things that the girls got to work on. And I would say that overall, the videos range from what I would say uh, were 
okay to good. Um, <laughs> so no, no noted bombs, which we've seen in the past mm-hmm. when it comes to some of these challenges. So I was delight, delighted. Either they really did do a good job and pull it out of the hat, or there was some beautiful editing magic to make that happen. Uh, but, you know, we weren't really quite sure who the quote unquote worst was. I think for me, it was pretty easy to tell who was the best, but I'm curious to hear from you all. Um, mm. And all the girls stayed on stage for the critique. And then they were asked the shadiest question in this game, Ooh. which is who should go home tonight and why? The votes get cast and Lemon and Alona were both chosen. Lemon specifically for the week runway that she brought to the presentation this week. And Alona for her general weakness? I don't know. What are your takes on this assessment? Eleanor, do you agree? Disagree? What are your thoughts? I wasn't surprised by anybody's answer. I think that, you know, Drag Race girls love math. And so when you're calculating (laughs) who's been in the bottom the most times, like Lemon, I I am bad at math, so I don't totally remember. But (laughs) Lemon has been in the bottom and Alona has been in the bottom. And so I think it makes sense to say those names. And then when you get back into the workroom, you can say, well, you've been in the bottom. So it made sense to say your name. Um, I don't know. I wasn't surprised. I was curious what your takes were on Stacy's assessment that the other girls said Lemon's name because they were jealous. I could see that because I looking at Lemon, I think that she does have some shortcomings. I do think that she needs to work on her cinching and her padding. Um, But for me, Lemon, with the exception of that, is a total package for this competition. Mm -hmm. I feel that them nominating Lemon just gave her the underdog edit. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has cinched lemon's trajectory into the top three to a potential win because i'll bet you adore had the same thing yeah. mm. i'll bet you next episode someone's gonna lend her a corset she's gonna wear it the judges are gonna live she's gonna win the next challenge like this helped her um and i do feel that the queens are just jumping on her because they're jealous and because they're just picking someone who's different like because lemon lives in new york and she's young yeah, I was I was going to agree with you and sort of jump in and, and say that what what it felt like to me, or at least what I'm seeing with Lemon's trajectory, and even in some of the earlier episodes of the season, she'd mentioned that she didn't have a lot of money or a lot of resources to put some things together. And it definitely shows in some of the runways that she's brought and some of the wig choices that she's made. Uh, and I I see in Lemon that sort of diamond in the rough edit where if, you know, in this case, it's not RuPaul, but, you know, the RuPaul's Drag Race machine sort of gives it that polish and unearths that potential. Because I do think she has a lot of potential as a queen. She has a lot of really good instincts when it comes to performing and entertaining. If she can match her visual presentation to some of those other elements that she brings, I think she's a shoe in um, and potentially, like you said, could win the whole thing. Mm. So as we get down to the lip sync, I do want to ask one last question. No explanations, but just immediate thoughts. Who do you think should have been lip syncing for their life? Eleanor. Um, I would have I would have picked the two who did. I okay. was not surprised by the choice of Alona and Boa. Okay. Okay. Portia. I 
if it wasn't Alona and Boa, I definitely would have put Alona in and I probably would have put Lemon in for the drama and to mm. put a little bit of a fire under her ass, knowing Ooh. that she could probably serve over Alona. However, if Lemon had ended up in the bottom twice, her likelihood of actually winning the competition probably would have been reduced to zero because I don't think any winner has been in the bottom twice. Hmm. Very. Hold on. We're going to edit this, but we're running the math right now. I love these statistics. Okay. At the ready. Look, we are like, we're obsessed with this show. Aquaria never lip synced. Uh, Evie only did once. Um, Jada only did once. Um, Sasha never did. Bob only did once. Violet never did. Bianca never did. Jinx only did once. Sharon only did once. Raja did once. Tyra never did. BB did once. Whoa, you are wow. right. Thank you. Whoa. She is a wise report card keeper. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. I would honestly say, based on the what I saw and based on the runway, the bottom two, in my opinion, should have been Boa and Priyanka. That's Mm. a hot take. Wow. Because of Priyanka's runway? I didn't think Priyanka's runway was very good. And I also did not enjoy I didn't I felt like she pirate. was not good in the th- not good in the challenge and lemon carried her so the judges deliberate and our bottom two lip syncing ends up being alona and boa they deliver a park and bark battle to scars to your beautiful <laughs> horrid. <laughs> horrid so much arm dancing but- it, it, the uh, Pointer Sisters, bark. honey, were here. And for me, Alona served it, but with that said, <clears throat> and with that, Boa is sent home. Tits out didn't save her. No, ma'am. You know, she, the the man of Green Gables, <laughs> our Boa. Sorry, gal. <laughs> the inner saboteur the queen. took over. <laughs> Well, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, we've made it to the end of our third episode of Dragnabbit, and we hope that you are enjoying this show as much as we are. Next week, we'll be back with even more hot takes and hot cakes on Canada's Drag Race. And I just want to say a very special extra shout out to our squirrel friend, Eleanor Kagan, for joining us today. Eleanor, what's the best way for people to connect with you online? Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Bloomsday Report. It makes no sense. Ooh. Just go with it. <laughs> Just do um, it. Or follow me on Twitter at Eleanor Kagan. Kind of like the Supreme Court Justice. Not exactly like the Supreme Court Justice. Um, and listen to my podcast, please. It's fun. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much, Eleanor, for joining us. We're so happy to have you here. Uh, and thank you to all of our listeners for being a part of this amazing journey with us. Be sure to tune in next week when we chat Canada's Drag Race once again. It's airing on WoW Presents Plus in the U.S. and in select territories on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Or if you are one of our neighbors of the North, you can get your crave on. So until next time, I'm Portia, and you better not waste your only phone call on me. 
And I'm Syzygy, whose investigative reporting will get you out of this jam. And this was Drag Nabbit. Drag Nabbit.